Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You can wrap this one, my friend, in maroon and white. Ten seconds, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Bingo! Listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi, covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. It's Wednesday. You know what that means. Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for joining me here on a Wednesday evening. Always glad to be with you. Rhino down there, it's in uh, Studio X. He handles all of the uh, the important stuff on this show. I just handle talking. So it's, it's a great division of labor because I don't have to do as much as he does. So I'm going to try to keep it that way for as long as I can. And I don't ever want to have his job because I'm not smart enough to do it. Ah, we got a good show lined up here for you today. We are in the uh, the middle of camp. We are at, football is here, guys. It's 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 not anymore. We're waiting. I know there's no games being played technically. You know, there's uh, there's some NFL preseason. But football's here. It's August. You know, the, the smell of football is in the air. And, and I'm, I, for one, couldn't be happier uh, that that is the case. Uh, I've been out to camp a couple of times. Had a chance to talk to Zach Arnett. Had a chance to talk to a couple of players. And by and large, you know, I mean, it, the truth of the matter is this. You know, everything they say is going to be laced with, with positivity. Nobody's going up to the microphone and saying, yeah, we sucked out there today. Nobody's nobody's coming out there and saying ah I'm not, I'm I'm not playing well at all you know I don't and I think my teammates aren't any good either I mean you you you're not going to get that but the thing I look for early in camp when I'm when I'm watching practice and when I'm talking to players is what is the energy level like you know because if you're dragging you know what on uh on practice one when we get to practice twenty you're gonna you're not gonna be feeling that anymore and that's that's as a you know. That's a, a a recipe for disaster. How many guys are in the pit? How many guys are, are saying they're injured? It's only a couple guys good, but if you've got like 15, 20 guys over there and they're all um, a little banged up, well, that's, you know, injury. What, what, what from the program? You, you, are you injured or are you hurt? If you're injured, okay, you need to sit out. If you're hurt, get back, get back in there. You're fine. Rub a little dirt on it. It's going to be okay. But that's the energy is good over at Mississippi State right now, as far as I can tell. Zach Arnett continues to make me laugh the, the way he has embraced becoming the head man of this program and, and the shift in personality that he has undergone. I'm telling you, this guy, is, you know, he, he's joking around. He's having fun. I think, he's, I think he is legitimately enjoying himself as the head football coach at Mississippi State. Uh, which is a good thing because you know if it's a drag for him, it's going to be a drag for everybody else. You know, I think that that has to that has to flow from the top down. That kind of energy and that kind of enthusiasm. You know, when I the reps that I've watched, and I'm not one of those. I'm not going to try to give you some standouts. We're getting to watch like 10, 12 plays, guys. If somebody's saying, you know, oh, here are the standouts. I mean, what did they do on their one play that you watched? I mean, it, 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 no such thing. But one thing I am noticing is. 
The defense was winning a lot of reps. Now, yesterday's practice, they did a lot of goal line and short yarded situation, and the offense was very successful. But I think those those drills are kind of set to make that happen, right? You know, you you, you kind of know what's coming, and and you got to figure it out if you're if somebody's in goal line defense. Um, but I expect the defense to win those reps. There's a ton of experience on that defense, a ton of of SEC reps on that defense, especially up front. They're trying to figure the things out there on the back end. We're going to talk more about that later in the show. But I expect the defense to win reps. The fact that the offense is winning some reps is a good sign to me. You know, and some of the things you you, you may have wondered about Will Rogers, how does he look? He looks great. He's put on some bulk, which I think he needed to do. And the arm, I mean, he he's throwing the deep ball. He's putting some some balls over the top, and that's that's what we're going to have to see this year if, for Mississippi State to be successful. So they're definitely the, you know, the offense is, is is battling and winning its fair share of reps. One of the biggest cliches in college football or any level of football is that you know when you start football practice preseason regular season whatever the first couple weeks the defense is always ahead because it's just easier to coach defense. And defense is about reaction and getting to the football. Offense is about scheming, and you got you know take you got to get some game reps and some film. I, I get it, I get it. So I expect the defense to be ahead, but the fact that they're not just totally dominating. I, one thing I believe is that if you're watching a scrimmage or you're watching practice and one side is absolutely dominating the other, that's not good. I always go back. 2003, and the reports coming out of practice, and you'd see guy, you'd see State having like four guys with 180 yards receiving, and just every day the offense was just dominant out there. And you were thinking, okay, well, they're going to be really good offensively. Nope, they were horrible defensively. And I feel like that's the case. If you have somebody just completely dominating, it's not a great sign for that side of the ball. It's a terrible sign for the other side. If I was telling you, look, I'm out there and Rodgers has thrown like 12 picks and they can't keep can't keep him from getting pressured and they're getting stuffed at the line, don't take that as State's got a great defense. Take it as that offense can't do anything. So when I tell you the offense is winning some reps, that's good, but and the defense is winning more of them, that's just to be expected. So a good start to camp for Mississippi State. Um, like I said, getting to talk to Arnett, has been has been interesting thus far. You know, it had, one thing I've, I've noticed, we've talked to him twice. He he spoke today, and I don't think we're going to be able to get that audio because he just finished speaking maybe like 30 minutes ago. State's usually not that quick to upload it. I'm going to keep an eye on YouTube, and hopefully if, 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 it, if it does somehow get uploaded, maybe we can have it. Um, but no one's asked him a question about Will Rogers yet, which I find kind of interesting. You think about... Other places in the conference where there are big time quarterback battles going, or even in Oxford, where I wouldn't classify the the quarterback battle as big time, but Dart and Sanders are, you know, Sanders could find his way into winning that job. I think it's going to be Dart, but there's real competition there. Here at state, obviously, Will Rogers is, is pretty locked in. I would say that Rogers, Daniels, Jefferson, Rattler are locked in. Nobody's beating them out. Everybody else, there's at least a question mark, right? There's a real, there's a hint of competition at the very least. Those four guys, though, they're in. But no one's asked about him, and I, you know, part of that I think is because it's the Arnett is such a defensive guy. 
when he does answer questions about the offense, they're they're kind of it, it does sometimes feel like he's going, well, you know, what do I know? Yeah, we'll, we'll get Barbe up here for you to, for you to ask him. Um, but I think part of it is just because you, you know what you have with Will Rogers, you feel you feel confident in him. Yeah, you know, we did. Uh, well, I say this, I did, I did the uh, the projected uh, confidence rankings for the Mississippi State team on last Friday's Thunder and Lightning. I did the right thing. My podcast partner was going into business for himself to use a wrestling term, but I had Will Rogers as the second, the player I have the second most confidence in. And I took the heat's not the right word, but some people were like, "Wow, you know, you look at the way he played at the end of the year." I'm like, "Yeah, he played poorly in the Egg Bowl, and he played poorly against uh, uh, Illinois in the bowl game." But look, the whole career—I mean, the guy is the SEC's all-time leading percentage passing percentage leader. I mean, you don't—they don't just give you that award. You have—you do have to throw some passes to get it. So I have a lot of confidence in him. My top three were him, and then one and three were the linebackers: Jet Johnson, one; Buki Watson, three. I have total confidence in those two guys. I know exactly what I'm going to get from both of them. I—I I, I would be amazed if either one of them would have a bad season. Like I would just be completely flat. I don't use the word flabbergasted very often, but I would use it there. If you told me that Jet Johnson only had like sixty tackles, I'd be like, he must have he must have gotten COVID and it lasted a, two months. How did he? How did that happen? I could I can't believe it. So I got a lot of confidence in Will Rogers. I I, I really feel confident that he is going to be a guy that sheds. The system quarterback label uh, this this season that he shows that he is a a competent quarterback that he is a, a guy we talked about we we talked about legacies a couple weeks ago and then and we you know we said you know he can be right there in the same tier of a lot of great SEC quarterbacks he can't be in the top tier he's not in the Burrow Tebow Cam Newton tier I don't, no 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 but he can be in the the Dak, Eli Manning, Matthew Stafford, Greg McElroy. Well, Greg McElroy was a national champion. We, we had a separate tier for this. But he can be in that tier. I think he's going to have that kind of season. I think he's going to you know, finish this year as the SEC's all-time leading passer. And he's probably going to throw 25 touchdowns and less than 10 interceptions. And Mississippi State's going to win eight games in the regular season, maybe, and maybe nine with a bowl win. And that puts him right there in the discussion amongst the, the best quarterbacks in SEC history when you take his entire career into account. So, All right. When we come back, we're going to stick with football. I t- I'll explain why, but we're going to talk about next year a little bit and get your thoughts on some games that aren't happening. We'll do that when we come back. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi. Listen up! There is a storm coming! We 
We are back here on Thunder and Lightning, Super Talk Mississippi. I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for spending your Wednesday evening with me. Spend your Thursday morning with me as well for the Thunder and Lightning podcast. It's available everywhere that you get podcasts from, and it's available at supertalk.fm. Great show tomorrow. Two good interviews. We do uh, a, a college football talk and some MSU talk with uh, Tom Hart from the SEC Network. He joined me and had a really good talk with me uh, earlier today. And then uh, we are in our opponent preview series. Only three games left before we get to actual games, and that is uh, with our friend Wilson Alexander from The Advocate talking about LSU. And one of the things we talked about towards the end of that interview is what I want to talk to you guys about right now. And I'm going to need you guys to chime in on the uh, text line. 601-879-4395 is the number. I want to know what you guys think. But we talked about State and LSU, and it's the final game of that series for I don't know how long. And I think we can go back to 1952. That was the last time these two teams didn't play each other. Um, and, you know, they've, uh, State and LSU have played each other more than just about anybody else on State's, you know, roster outside of Ole Miss. Uh, maybe Alabama. But State and LSU have played basically every year since the, the 1910s. Um, and, of course, also next year, State no Auburn. Doesn't play Auburn, again, for the first time since the 50s. It's another team that State has played 75, 80, 90 times. And Alabama, same same sort of situation. It was the 50s the last time those two teams didn't play. And it got me thinking about that, and, and, and I'm wondering, of those three series, which one are you, are you going to miss the most? Now, I know, right off the top, you're like, well, I'm not going to miss Alabama. And I get it, right? I get it. And same with LSU in recent years, although that series has become a lot more competitive uh, over the past decade, I would say. Auburn is a, is a series over the last decade. State's been basically even with them. I think they're five, I think the last 10 are 5-5. Five and five. I'd have to go back and double-check that to be sure. But obviously, State's won the last two. Um, State won in 18. They won in 15 and 14. So there's five wins right there. So I might, I'm probably right. So who do you miss the most in there? Now, for me, I talked about it the other day, or I talked about it on this podcast. It's LSU for me. And if you're a longtime listener to this show, to any podcast I've done, you know that I have a ton of LSU people in my family. Uh, that game has always been a big deal to us. Um, I personally, although I have been accosted there, that, is, that doesn't make me unique, by the way. I'm not the only one. But Tiger Stadium, to me, is the best atmosphere, the best place to play college football. A game in Tiger Stadium feels different to me than any other stadium I've ever been into. I also love Cajun food. That, that, might, that might be a reason I'm picking LSU here. But I, lo- I love you know, a plate of etouffee. But LSU is the one that I'm kind of missing the most here of these three. I feel like Auburn is the one you, you look at and you're like, well, you know, State has the advantage. I think State's going to get that win this year as well. You know, I just think in year one with Hugh Freeze that they're just not ready to go. I think that uh, Alabama, I, I did have some fun with Greg McElroy at SEC Media Days. If you guys missed uh, when I was on his show, I was on Mac and Cube with him and Cole Kublick, and he talked about, you know, Losing the the Mississippi State series, and he always enjoyed that. And it's been they played for so long. And he said, "What do people in Starkville think?" And I was like, "Greg, they threw a party." 
they couldn't get that Alabama off the schedule fast enough. The SEC said, well, you can't have it all. You do have to play Georgia this year. But my goodness, everybody's thrilled to not have to play Alabama. But at the same time, some of the biggest and best memories in Mississippi State football history are against Alabama. 1980 is the game that, you know, 675,000 people attended. It's an NCAA record. Literally any Mississippi State fan from the age of 65, or I say 75 to 35, how, and I know, I know they weren't born in 1980. Doesn't matter if you're 35. Doesn't matter. But you, you were at that game. Basically anybody born from 1979 back, you were at that game. I'm like the one MSU person who will admit I was not at that game. Didn't go. I was four. I didn't go. So I mean, you know, that game, ninety-seven or ninety-six and ninety-seven, you know, beating them. Two thousand seven remains the loudest I've ever heard Davis Wade Stadium when Anthony Johnson uh, picked off that pass and took it into the end zone. So looking around here, Bubba and Starville just says LSU really, you know, he's not a fan of LSU. I get it. Dwayne and Brandon, being from Louisiana, will miss LSU. Was at the game when Burrow had his pants pulled down. That was the only highlight for Mississippi State that day. Tyler and Corinth, definitely LSU. Everybody's saying LSU. From the 6-6-2, LSU definitely. I've enjoyed that series more. Auburn last, Alabama too. Got no fear. I appreciate that. So, Gentlemen, I just picked, I have breaking news. Outstanding news that I will have to relay to my coworkers, but Coach Zach Arnett will join us live on Super, on Sports Talk Mississippi tomorrow at the top of the four o'clock hour. Mark your calendars. We got Coach Zach Arnett joining us uh, tomorrow on Sports Talk Mississippi. That's great news. I need to I need to tweet about that when we have the commercial break. Good news. That's good. Uh, thank you. Let me let me send a thanks. For uh, to, to to my my contact at Mississippi State, the great Brandon Langlois made that happen for me. Um, we got any more text? I was there in 1980. State beat the Bear. They were digging up grass after the game from Pete. You you and you and and three quarters of a million other people were at that game. I believe you though, Pete. I actually do believe you. I have a ticket from that game, but it's not my ticket. I just said I have a ticket. Um, it's it's weird to think about though. You think about and and, and my wife sent me a, a text the other day, and she was like, "Why did we play LSU so late in the season in 2012?" I don't know if you remember that year. They played LSU, I think, with three games to go. And I said, "I don't know. That's just how the schedule went that year." But guys, growing up for me, the last four games of the season were Auburn, Alabama. LSU, Ole Miss. You played LSU before the Egg Bowl every year from, I think, at least from 80 to 91. I remember in 92 they played LSU like the second or third game, and it was the weirdest thing to me, the first year of the divisions. So, I mean, it's weird. It's it's crazy to think that Mississippi State, who has played those three schools since the beginning of time, in my opinion, won't do it again. Texas, Tennessee, Georgia, we and we lose Alabama. It's a pretty even swap. I mean, Georgia, Alabama, yeah. 
at LSU and at Tennessee, I'd much rather go to Tennessee. And then Texas and Auburn, yeah, pretty close. Pretty close. Blackbird photography, I've always liked the Alabama game. It felt like gambling, just maybe we could win. You make some money betting the money line. Uh, Scotty from Pontotoc is an Ole Miss fan. Is it okay to enjoy the show? We welcome all Ole Miss Rebels here on Thunder and Lightning. We appreciate your business. You are welcome to listen. You are welcome to disagree with things I say. And you and you probably will. But that's fine. Yes, Scotty, absolutely. We, we, we're glad to have you on board with us here on a, uh, on a Wednesday evening. Dave from Ripley. Oh, okay, I'm going to have to. I mean, if I'm getting compliments, I'm going to read them. I really love your show, Hey Dad, and I don't think I've missed one yet. You tell Richard no more smarmy remarks about the number of your listeners. Your show is hands down better than any of those old Miss shows on Super Talk. That's right. You tell him to shut his mouth and shut it now. Dave from Ripley, bringing the heat to Richard Cross's house, right to his front door. You love to hear it. I appreciate these guys. I appreciate all the other uh, good stuff. We have better results if we play Alabama early in the season. We get we always get the Satan. The, I think you said. I think you met Saban, but you, you got the 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 Freudian slip there. We always get them mad. State plays Alabama September thirtieth this year. That's the earliest I can ever remember playing them. I can't ever remember playing no, that. Jason Auburn. My son is middle named after the guy who won one of those games with seventeen seconds left. I know who that is. I can guess anyway. Good stuff. It's gonna, you know, for all the uh, for all the stuff with realignment and 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 all that. I mean, it's just gonna feel really different next year. When I, I was thinking about doing opponent previews, and I'm like, I'm not gonna talk to anybody from Auburn next year, from Alabama. And same with same with Ole Miss, right? They don't have Alabama on the schedule. They don't. I don't think they have Auburn. I know they have LSU. People we've talked to every year. No, not next year. So we'll see how that goes. All right, when we come back, we do have Zach Arnett's audio from today, today's practice over at uh, at South Farm. So we'll play that when we come back. This is Thunder and Lightning live here on Super Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back here, Thunder and Lightning, Super Talk Mississippi. I'm always telling you guys about supertalk.fm. Now you need to have that website bookmarked. If you're a political person, last night was the, the place for that. We had up-to-date election results all night long. If you were at supertalk.fm, you were ahead of everybody else. Hope you guys check that out. Earlier today, Mississippi State practiced at South Farm. They brought back the tradition from Dan Mullen uh, to go out and have a practice out there in the heat of South Farm. Zach Arnett spoke after that practice today in the cool 
of the uh, SEAL facility weight room. Let's hear what he had to say. So what's life like down on the farm these days? It was nice. It was good. It felt like football practice, right? And warm weather, humidity, right out there with nothing but uh, grass as far as you can see, farm animals out there. That's how, that's how football camp's supposed to be. That's how it's been done here a long time. Glad we got to do it. What's kind of the, you know, your thought process you know, behind now that you've been out there and kind of experienced yourself? I mean, do you, do you see the attraction to that that other coaches and players have had, and what do you like about it? Well, we got a great facility here. I mean, we have an abundance of space, so it's not like we need to go there for space. Obviously, part of it is it helps save your grass a little bit, right? You don't you don't tear up your fields because you know you're going to be on them, you know, for the next four months straight, almost every single day. So that's that's one benefit. But it's good to get away, get a change of scenery. I, it's kind of nice to go where you don't have all the luxuries and conveniences that you have, obviously, in our facility here. Kind of, kind of takes a lot of guys, hopefully, back to like what high school football was like for them. You know, I mean, I drive around this state, recruiting all small towns. You, I mean, there's a lot of uh, a lot of practice fields that patches of grass, dirt. Don't always have to be the prettiest thing, but some of the best football players in the country play on there. Uh, so. Hopefully it reminds them of reminds them of that a little bit. How, how would the farm practice facility compare to your first college practice facility? Mm. Oh, farm's nice. Farm's <laughs> nice. I don't know. I mean, New Mexico. I, New Mexico is pretty big state with not many people, so you got you got an abundance of space there too. You talk the football. That. Football's not as good. Not as good athletes on the field, though. I'm gonna let you know right now. You talked in the past of you know wanting best eleven guys on the field and you know being willing to work schemes around what you felt you know would fit some of the players best. Have you on the flip side seen players maybe you know learn some new things, pick up new stuff, and, and seen willingness from them to kind of change maybe what they're comfortable with to, to provide you know maybe a better product and, and help you know pull up some wins? Oh yeah, I mean we got some guys you know we got some guys playing new positions right. We're trying to find a way, uh, fastest way to get them on the field right. You know so you know, Marcus Banks speed is playing safety. Don Terry Russell went from defensive end to Sam linebacker. Now we can always play him in some defensive end roles. Uh, you know, Antonio Harmon playing tight end, right? So you got guys obviously moving new positions. And then, yeah, anytime you're, uh, well, for instance, what we're doing offensively, right? When you start getting into those heavier personnel sets, if we stay in our base defense, well, that forces a lot of DBs to have to come down close to the line of scrimmage and and fill gaps and support the run, uh, which they probably don't they don't have as many reps of doing that right uh and so that forces you to improve your skill set right along those lines we're kind of talked to you back in the summer about your offensive line going from not being on their heels as much back to pass pro to be more balanced and, and get in the zone blocking and all that how have you seen that group adjust to that as far as the blocking signs i think i've done a really good job of, of being locked into meetings coming out and trying to execute what they're being taught Right, we need more carryover from individual work to team periods. Uh, in reality, right, we just finished day six of camp. Uh, typically, early on, I think the defense always has an advantage, right? Because as long as you can just come off the ball hard and go hard on defense, even if you're not necessarily in the right space, you know, it takes it takes a day or two for an offensive line, particularly in protection, to get used to, you know, setting firm inside, uh, holding up to those rushes. And so, I thought we looked better today. In the offensive line, obviously we need to progress every single day, just like we do on the defensive line. But we got to get—I mean, we got to get better up front for us to, How to do it. How much is their experience? We got some PS six-year guys up front. How much does that experience help them with that transition? Oh, I, th I mean, I think it helps, right? I mean, hey, pass protection, pass protection, right? So, and if you've 
you face the defensive fronts that you're going to face week in, week in and week out in this league, I mean, you know what you're getting ready for, right? So, and when you play a lot of football, you know, you kind of pick up on it or things come easier because defense is going up so many different ways with 11 guys. And so uh, I don't think we're having any trouble picking up the schemes, no. How do you feel like maybe the team conditioned this summer? I mean, how prepared do you feel like they are for preseason camp? I think it's been good. You know, I think every coach's biggest fear is obviously that first week. You know, you usually finish, you have some hard hard days at the end of summer conditioning, kind of, hey, we're going to test where we're at. And then the guys get a certain number of days off, usually before training camp starts. And usually your biggest fear is you lose a guy to a hamstring or some sort of growing pool or something. And then, you know, you miss a week's worth of practice. So you only get 25 and you get, you miss seven of them with a guy. Uh, and fortunately for us, we haven't lost a single guy to any type of you know, soft tissue pull or anything like that. Obviously, uh, cross my fingers now after saying that. But uh, that obviously means we showed up in shape and ready to go. And so I think they did a good job of attacking the summer and, and then coming out and working themselves into football shape. Have you seen intensity, competitiveness kind of pick up now a few days with, you know, having pads on? Well, pads always do that, obviously. I mean, at every, every school across the country, right, once you put the pads on, kind of inherently picks up the intensity or you don't find yourself out on the practice field very much for reps. <laughs> What about safety at this point? I know it's early in camp, but what are you seeing from that group? Yeah, moving a lot of guys around. Obviously, got to get reps. Uh, I'll probably say right now, you know, Kobe Albert, uh, Marcus Banks, we're probably the two guys from a consistency standpoint every day uh, that I've been most pleased with, you know, and who flashed the most. Obviously, I'm, I've been pretty open about it. I have concerns about what we're trying to the number of snaps we're replacing at safety, the experience we're replacing within the defense. And so those two guys, uh, you know, I, I like how they're progressing. And then we got an open competition between, you know, Sean Preston, um, Jordan Morant, Isaac Smith getting thrown in there. Corey Ellington's obviously getting a whole bunch of snaps. Uh, and so we're rotating a whole bunch of guys. We were watching practice yesterday with the contact going on, and yes, your, your safeties to play physical, but it looked like the receivers are giving some pretty physical play out there as well, whether it's blocking or taking contact downfield. Yeah, I mean, our receiver group is, is very talented, right? I mean, you look at Justin Robinson, how big and strong he is. Uh, Xavion, actually, I used a clip of Xavion stock blocking as the kind of textbook block I'd like to see from every guy in our program in terms of fitting up on a guy, driving his feet through contact. Uh, Tulu's obviously played a whole bunch of football, Wally, and so, yeah, I think those guys, again, you know, if you're a receiver, you want the ball thrown to you, well, you also do your part in a run game, right? You make contested catches, which are a lot of times physical catches because you're going to face a lot of tight coverage. There's going to be a guy draped all over you, and you're either big and strong enough, physical enough to come down with it, and the quarterback keeps feeding you, or, or you don't, or you drop it, and then he typically loves to go somewhere else with the football. Your early impressions, and I know we got here in the spring, Jeffrey Pittman, but just kind of your impressions of him so far. Obviously, a, a hardworking guy came from JUCO ranks and kind of kind of built for this mentality. Yeah, I think I, I, just like you said, Pitt. You know, Pitt kind of fits the mold here. Uh, on special teams, he's really jumped out. Right, that's one thing. I probably hadn't talked enough. A lot of these guys is the the buy-in and commitment to in special teams too. So Pitt will play a lot of snaps for us there. Obviously, he's going to get carries too. You know that running back group. It's almost there's some different different thicknesses, maybe different speeds slightly or different strengths. But all, all in all, they almost look like there's about four of the same guys running out there. You know, you sub 
You sum one guy out, the next guy in is coming out. It's about the exact same height. It might be five or ten pounds heavier or lighter, but it almost looks like we got four really similar guys in that group. How would you kind of assess the tight ends group at this point? Oh, so, I mean, so it's a work in progress. I mean, we got we got plenty of guys out there getting reps. Uh, obviously, if you're going to play tight end in the run game, you got to be able to hold up at the point of attack and create some movement uh, against some big, strong, physical dudes. And then you got to be able to do some things in the pass game. I have been a little disappointed. Uh, we've dropped some balls both in, in the tight end and receiver group. Passes you can't drop. Right? When you're when you're sitting in zone coverage and you got it's not a contested catch, then the quarterback puts the ball and you got to come down with that ball 100% of the time, 100% of the time. And so, uh, a little disappointed with some of the drops that have occurred in the last couple of days. You know, usually you're, that's your concern that guys are worried about where the contact might be coming from. That or it's a lack of concentration, looking to get upfield and taking your eye off the ball. Uh, but going back specifically to tight ends. You know, between Rylan Gody, Spivey, Jacarius Clayton, uh, and we got the body types you want in there. We got the, we got the guys you want, so we just got to keep developing every day. Coach, you mentioned uh, a lot about, or uh, just previously, about having to replace a lot of snaps on the uh, safety position <laughs> secondary. Do you think that the depth um, of that position right now, do you think it's enough once the actual season starts getting going, just the um, uh, to be able to replace something? Uh, you know, as many snaps as you guys end up losing. Right now, today, no. No. Right? We're not consistent enough. Uh, you know, you take all three starting safeties who are all fourth or fifth year guys playing college football last year, and Emmanuel Forbes, who's a 16th of the draft. You got four guys you're replacing. Uh, right now, no, we, we, we're not ready to play near at that level. And so, we got, today was day six. We got 19 practices left before the first game. Uh, we got a lot of work to do. That was Coach Zach Arnett, who we will have live here on Super Talk on Sports Talk Mississippi tomorrow at uh, the top of the four o'clock hour. We'll talk a lot more about that. Still, no questions about Will Rogers. I'll ask him one tomorrow. We'll get we'll get his opinion on state starting quarterback. We'll wrap it up when we come back. This is Sports Talk. This is uh, Thunder and Lightning. It's not Sports Talk Mississippi. Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. If they call a celebration penalty on this, I'll shoot them. Here on Thunder and Lightning, here on Super Talk Mississippi. If you haven't already, subscribe to Thunder and Lightning Podcast. A lot of great stuff there in our never-ending quest to regain the top spot on the sports news rankings, which Andy Staples has had a vice-like grip on since he returned to the media world at 0-3. I must defeat him at least one time. I just want to beat him once. One time. Help me out here, guys. Uh, Good stuff from Coach Zach Arnett. He talked about something. I was planning to make this a topic tonight, but then when we got that audio, I thought we should go ahead and play it. But wanted to talk about, you know, where am I concerned? Where are you concerned about this this football team? That safety position is where I'm at. You know, the, when you're replacing three starters there, that's where I'm I'm the most concerned about Mississippi State football 
in the 2023 season. Uh, Marcus Banks looks like he's probably got one of those spots nailed down. I'm not surprised to hear Jacoby Albert's name there uh, because I mean, it's a guy with SEC experience having played at Kentucky a year ago. And then you've got a lot of, of competition there for that third spot, and I'm just not going to be surprised when the true freshman Isaac Smith wins that job. I, I just feel like going back a year ago, I feel like playing time was one of the reasons he picked Mississippi State because he saw the opportunity to get on the field quickly. He knew that State was losing all of its safeties, and he would have an opportunity to come in and compete for a starting job. And at the end of the day, I think he's just the most talented guy. He may, you know, he may make some some freshman mistakes out there, but I think you're willing to take some some lumps and some learning mistakes to have an All American caliber player, maybe by the time he's a junior. So I'm not going to be shocked if that that third safety spot ends up going to uh, to uh, Isaac Smith. And then at the cornerback position, you know, Asias Verge is, is is there right now as the starter. But I'll tell you, one of the guys who, and I, again, I'm not saying he's been a standout. But I'm saying that you know I've seen him. He's made some plays in the, in, in the limited viewing opportunities that we've had. Is to Carlos Nicholson, the uh, the JUCO transfer, who last year played a lot on special teams, but didn't really play as much in, in, in on defense. But I think he's ready to take a big step forward uh, there. So State has some talented guys, but they just they're just not proven. So you know you can't speak with any definitives about them. There, you can't talk about them the way you talk about Jaden Cromedy and Jet Johnson and Buki Watson. You don't, you don't know what you have there. You're, you're just guessing what you have. But I think they have some talented guys. Banks is a guy. I mean, played four, three years at Alabama. I have to assume that he, you know, if he was recruited to play there, he's got some talent. Albert, I know, we can play at the SEC level, and then we'll see what happens with that third spot. But you, you've, you know, that's where you've done most of your portal recruiting the past couple of years has been at the in the set the safety position. Jalen Green, Jackie Matthews were both really good players for a year ago. You also have Sean Preston there, who's been an experienced guy and has made some plays for you through the years. So we'll see. And, you know, with Matt Brock doing things, I thought one of the issues the past couple years with State was at the safety position was they were, they were, they would put their safeties in man coverage a lot. And you'd end up with Colin Duncan man on man with Malik Neighbors or, 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 you know, uh, Couple of years ago, with when you had uh, Landon Gidry one on one with Devonte Smith, I mean, you got no chance, guys. And one of the things that Arnett has talked about is he's is Matt Brock's less of an emotional blitzer. So yeah, I don't know that you're going to see those safeties put in those really difficult to win positions this year as much. I hope that's the case because I mean it cost State a couple of times a, a season over the last three years. So we'll see. Some bad baseball news, but that seems like that's all there is these days with baseball. Uh, but Braden Montgomery, the Madison Central product who was at Stanford, is transferring not to Mississippi State, Texas A&M. I had the school wrong. I thought he would end up at LSU just because I figured they would throw some ridiculous NIL number at him, but not to Mississippi State. And so if you're a Mississippi State baseball fan, more power to you. But I, I'm not sure about this this upcoming season. I just I, Unless everybody takes big jumps, I don't see how this team is going to be a lot better than it was a season ago, especially from a batting perspective where you lose Kellum Clark, who was your leading hitter in SEC play. You lose Colton Ledbetter, who was really, really good for you. And you didn't really replace them with anybody. Um, and then as far as the pitching goes, you had to find you had to find one proven guy to be your Friday night guy, and you didn't do that. And they got a couple of quality pieces there, guys who I think could be Saturday, Sunday possibilities and definitely bullpen guys, but... 
you know, well, I feel like Mississippi State fans have put a weight on, on Justin Parker, the new pitching coach's shoulders. It's going to be very tough, difficult for him to deliver on. They're expecting him to be the the, the catalyst to this massive turnaround. I, I don't know how th- how that's going to go, and I don't know how good this team's going to be offensively a season from now. So, really tough off season for MSU baseball, and I think it's going to lead to a really tough season when we get there. But it's football season. That's the last we'll talk baseball unless something really weird happens over the next few weeks. We'll be back next week, and don't forget, tomorrow, 4 o'clock, 4.06, to be precise, Mississippi State head football coach Zach Arnett will join myself, Richard Cross, and uh, Michael Borky. I forgot his name there for a second. On tomorrow's Sports Talk Mississippi, so don't miss that. Guys, have a great Wednesday night. Back with you tomorrow. For Rhino down there in Studio X, I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.